0: Well, Merry Christmas. If you were with us last night, good to see you again. If you're joining us this morning, well, you are, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, A couple of housekeeping things. Number one, if you have a Bible, please join me in Luke chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get one to you. Raise your hand. Uh, Feel free to keep this Bible if you don't have one. Feel free to keep it and give it away if you'd like or leave it on your seat when you leave. Um, But when you get it... Please join me in Luke chapter 2. There's a table of contents to help you find that. Uh, the next thing is, um, we obviously don't have children's ministry going on right now. We have the little lovely wigglers among us. So we're glad the children are with us. And I know that as a parent, when your kid begins to squeak and squawk, you can kind of tune out. We have a fireside room if that make you more comfortable. There's a live feed in there. And feel free to, to get up and move around if you need. But there's, there's grace. And third housekeeping thing is this. If, you, if you're if you new to church and, and unfamiliar with what is about to happen, um, our custom here at our church family is to open the Bible. We are normally going through the book of John, the gospel of John right now, and we travel section by section to see what God's God's word says and what it means and apply it to our lives. We're going to do the same thing this morning with a special Christmas message here in Luke 2, and so we're going to walk through Luke 2, 22, down to verse 35, and we're going to think about what God's Word says and apply it to our lives. So with that, if you would, I'm going to go ahead and begin to read, beginning in verse 22 of Luke chapter 2, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll start the sermon. Scripture reads, And when the time came for their purification... According to the law of Moses, they, it's Mary and Joseph, brought baby Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now. And for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts From many hearts may be revealed. Well, this is God's word. Let's look to Him together in prayer. Father, this morning, on this unique day in which we gather every Sunday to remember the resurrection of Jesus, this morning we gather to also think about the incarnation of God the Son, eternal God, made man, truly God, truly man. And and as we give this time, Lord, to you as an act of worship, I pray for friends who are here who are far from you, perhaps don't know you, don't follow you, that you would bring this light and salvation that you promise. We also pray for every single one of us, Lord, that the consolation that Simeon speaks of in this text would be the consolation of all of our hearts. And so, Lord, to that end, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, all of God's people said... Amen. There is a question before us. It was the same question last night if you were gathered here, and it's the same question this morning as we looked at Anna last night and Simeon this morning, and the question is this. What are you waiting for? It's a simple question, but it's a very deep question that maybe into the roots of our own heart we actually don't know what we're waiting for, Uh, I do know, I'm not a prophet, but I do know there's many little people in this room waiting for something in particular, presence, waiting for this guy to finish. But we are all waiting for something, oftentimes not necessarily aware that we are. So more questions abound to help expose that. What, What is absent from your life? that if you found would make your life satisfying and whole? Again, what is absent from your life that if you found would make your life satisfying and whole? What if you finally got it or perhaps finally got rid of it would give your life hope and rest? In our text today, Simeon found what he was waiting for. And it wasn't a thing, it wasn't a situation, it was a person, and it turns out it was a baby and his name is Jesus. Simeon gives us the only true and lasting answer to whatever we might be tempted to answer that question. What are you waiting for? What will make you satisfied? What will make you whole this morning? What will give your life hope and rest? Simeon gives us the only true and lasting answer to all of our hopes, needs, rescues, dreams, and the answer is Jesus. And so this morning, Simeon gives you three reasons to entrust your life to Jesus, to be saved by Jesus, and to worship Jesus. And so if you're taking notes or want to take a picture, here's the three points this morning as we traverse our text. Point number one, Jesus had humble beginnings, so worship him. It's verses 22 to 24. Next, in the bulk of our brief message this morning, Jesus is your only consolation in life. So worship Him. It's verses 25 to 32, and we will end our time briefly in our third point. Jesus pierces your soul, so worship Him. Verses 33 to 35. So to our first point, Jesus had humble beginnings, So worship him. Join me again in verse 22 to 24. Let's listen to God's word again. Here's what is said, and technically this isn't Simeon speaking. It's narration taking place. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called Holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. What does this mean? And how does this have any bearing on our lives? Well, what I want you to see, there's many things to see, but what I want you to see from this text is the humble life and simplicity. That Jesus was born into how can I say that well when the text tells us that when Joseph and Mary went to the temple and they gave the offering according to the law of Moses a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons this was the offering required of them under Mosaic law for people who could not afford a lamb which was more expensive So the the offering of a pair of turtle doves and two pigeons is the offering of the impoverished. It's the offering of the people who don't have much, the people who live in poverty or what we might call lower middle class. This is the offering of people who live paycheck to paycheck. This is the offering of people who live a simple life. Now, if you were God... And you were to send your son, what would you have decided in your plan? Is is this what you would have chosen? If you were God, what kind of family would have you would you have chosen for your son to be born into, seeing as how your son is the king and savior of the universe? Uh, if you're like me, it probably wouldn't have crossed your divine mind. Probably not as stable. But you would have placed your son in a palace. Probably not born to peasants, but to royalty, the highest of royalty. You probably would have not sent Jesus to be born of the poor, but of the opulent. And you probably would not have led your son to be born into obscurity, but into fame. But praise God, you or I are not God and never will be God. God has a wise and glorious and mysterious good news plan that he sent Jesus into obscurity. And so here's the point that you can't miss when you, maybe you're reading this in two turtle doves, and I don't know what kind of bird that is, and you're reading through this, you're trying to figure out what it means. Here's a point to take from this. Jesus identifies with you. When God the Son became incarnate, God became flesh to sympathize, is the word the Bible uses. As Caleb read earlier, that, um, that Jesus had to be made like his brothers in order to make propitiation for our sins, to satisfy God's just demands against our sins. Jesus sympathizes with us. It was the Trinity's good gospel plan for Jesus not to be born in opulence, but in a backwoods town. Not to live a rich life, but a simple life. Not to be raised in fame, but to be raised in unimportance. Here's why, or one of many reasons this is important for us to to grasp. If you have any sense this morning as you sit here and listen to God's word, if you have any sense that Jesus doesn't know what it's like to live your life and be you, you are wrong. If you have any sense that Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be raised in a family where it's unknown if ends will meet, you would be wrong. If if you think that Jesus doesn't know what it's like to work hard with his hands from dawn to dusk, you would be wrong. He does. If, if you think that Jesus doesn't know what you are going through right now, if you think Jesus doesn't know how hard life can be, or if you think Jesus had an easier life than you, friend, you were wrong, and that is a source of eternal hope. Jesus knows what it's like to be us. Jesus identifies us with us in his humbleness of his incarnation. And Jesus identifies with us so that we can now identify with his sinless life in our place, his perfect life in our place, because your life is not sinless and neither is mine. Our lives are not perfect, but Jesus's was, And there's nothing that we can do to atone for our own sins. Only Jesus can. And he did when he went to the cross and took our sins upon himself. And Jesus did not stay dead. It's why we gather on Sunday, every Sunday, because we celebrate the resurrection of the risen Lord Jesus. He rose in our place, meaning that when Jesus rose... All that he said and did, all that he claimed to his deity and more, was proven true, right, and sturdy when he rose from the grave. So when we look here, if you came in this morning thinking that Jesus just doesn't know, friend, he does, and he does more than you know, because he is a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He has borne our sicknesses, sorrows, and sufferings in his life and in his death. So on this first point, Jesus had humble beginnings, so worship Him. But next, Jesus, point number two, is our only consolation, so worship Him. Join me in verse 25 down to verse oh, 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was Righteous and devout, and here's the words for our attention. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And Simeon came, into, it came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus, To do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took Jesus into his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. It's It's embedded in these words that Simeon um, offers in praise to the Lord. It's embedded in these words, these descriptions of who Jesus is that we need to fix our attention to. Uh, Just as we heard Anna waiting last night, so now here we also hear that Simeon was righteous and devout, verse 25, waiting. And he was waiting for Christ, the saving king. Simeon was waiting. But it is how, in verse 25, that he describes Jesus that is so beautifully striking to me and on this Christmas morning, I hope is beautifully arresting, striking, alarming, and comforting to you. This, this, this single title, it's, I want us to focus on this, that Jesus is... The consolation of Israel. What does that mean? For Jesus to be our consolation is, well, it's bound up in later in the text, in verses 30 to 32, where we discover that Jesus is the salvation. He's the rescue, he's the salvation or redemption that we heard of last night. Jesus is the salvation, and Jesus' salvation accomplishes and offers as a light for the Gentiles and glory for Israel. It's comfort and consolation. That's what that word means. It's not a consolation prize as if you got third place, nice job, but not good enough. No, that's not what the word means in Greek. It means comfort. And Jesus is the comfort and consolation that the Gentiles can see. Jesus is the light of the world his birth is the inbreaking of light into darkness to cast out darkness. Jesus is the comfort and consolation for the glory of all of God's promises across the Old Testament for Israel. Jesus, being the comfort and consolation of God's people, is bound up in the title given of Him at the end of verse 26, Christ. He is the Christ. And that word Christ probably familiar with it we treat it as if it was jesus's last name it's not it's a title he is the christ jesus the christ and that's the greek word for the hebrew word in the old testament messiah and for jesus to be the christ it's like a hyperlink text if you could click on it it would take you to course through the veins to mix the metaphor it's a hyperlink word that traces through all the promises beginning in Genesis 3.15, which we heard earlier, of God sending a saving king to rout God's enemies and redeem God's people, bringing them near. Last night we heard that redemption always involves crushing the bad so that God can give the good. In redemption, God crushes the bad so that God can give his good to his redeemed people. And for Jesus to be the Christ, to be salvation, here's what that means. Jesus, as we heard earlier in Genesis 3.15, Jesus was crushed for our sins on that cross so that his sinless life could be applied to our sinful life. A great exchange took place where our sin was placed on Jesus so that Jesus's perfection and sinlessness can be placed on us. The great exchange where God treated Jesus on the cross as if Jesus had lived your life so that by the gift of faith and grace when you trust Jesus, God would now treat you as if you had lived Jesus' life. Jesus was crushed for our sins because he was the Christ. Jesus was crushed And that was credited for us so that we would not be crushed by the eternal weight of God's wrath. And Jesus rose from the grave so that by repentance and faith we could be made new. Not just our sins washed away. Maybe you have a false conception that God is a reluctant Savior. I guess I've got to send my son. He's going to do for you what you couldn't and wouldn't do for yourself. But now that he is Now that he has died and risen from the grave, stop messing up, you might think God says. That's not what kind of Savior he is. He is a Savior who loved us in our sins for all of them past, present, and future. And so when Jesus died, he died for all of your Christian sins too. And so it's not just that our sins have been washed away, but the promise of eternal glory, adopted children of God, brought into his family, is gifted to us praise God and the consolation the encouragement the hope and comfort that consolation it's only found in the Christ to Jesus this is what Simeon is praising I can only imagine that he had a tear-soaked smile wrinkled face as he is saying these things to the Lord this this consolation is only found in Jesus and so here's a word to all of us If you're a Christian or not a Christian, we all are are tempted in our souls to look for comfort and relief from guilt and from shame and from sorrow and from dashed dreams, shipwrecked relationships life not turning out the way you wanted it to, we all, even Christians, are tempted to look for the guilt and the shame to be removed by something or someone other than Jesus. But he is the only welcoming and true Savior who can take it all away. Forever, finally, and fully. When Jesus bled on the cross, and if you're not a Christian, this is going to sound very strange, But it's Bible language, his sin, or or rather, Jesus' blood washed our sins away by faith. And now in Christ, when if you give your life to Jesus, or those of us who have given our life to Jesus, we don't need to shop around for comfort or consolation elsewhere all the philosophies, all the politicking, all the gurus, all anything else the world can produce, none of it can do what only God can do for us. You can't even do it for yourself. Only Jesus can. That's why he's our consolation. Jesus then also gifts us the power by his spirit to live wisely and well in this world. Jesus has made us friends with God and has given us peace with God. If you've been with us as a family following Jesus together in the gospel of John we're we're reading in this farewell discourse that Jesus is going to the father and will pour out the spirit to give you his peace his joy a peace and joy that is not dictated by our circumstances but by our salvation christian jesus is your eternal and unending comfort and friend if If you don't know Jesus, please hear his voice through the preaching of his word this morning that the eternal unending consolation that you are searching and waiting for can be yours freely because Jesus did all the work for you. Turn to Jesus, renounce your sins, repent and come to Jesus and have times of refreshment come upon you. That's why Simeon rejoiced. And Simeon was rejoicing because there was promises echoing in the recesses of his heart like this. Listen to this ancient promise of comfort. This is from Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what God promised to happen. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry out to her that her warfare is ended that her sin is pardoned and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Or, or Isaiah 49.13. This may have been in Simeon's mind. Listen listen to the beauty of this promise of comfort and consolation to come. Isaiah 49.13 Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult. O earth, break forth, O mountains, sing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. Do you need comfort this morning? We all do. Do you feel affliction in your life? We can all say yes. Yes. Well, creation is singing. It's commanded to sing for the the trees to clap their hands and more, and the heavens to exult and the mountains to sing because the Lord has comforted his people. How? Simeon told you. Jesus. Holding Jesus. This incarnation of God the Son. Simeon was waiting for the comfort and consolation that is only found in Jesus. And I wonder if you are too. All the words in the Bible are beautiful and exquisite. And sometimes you come across words that are not in the Bible. They're not inspired, inspired rather, but they certainly seem like they are. And I, I want to share with you some of the sweetest words ever asked and answered outside the Bible about our comfort. The quote will go up on the screen, maybe take a picture. It's from the old Heidelberg Catechism. And this is from Lord's Day 1. And this is question 1. What is your only comfort in life and death? And here is the answer. That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He also washes over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to Him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Amen. Amen. Jesus is your only Consolation, our only light and our only glory, so worship him. And finally, Jesus pierces your soul, so worship him. Verses 33 and following. And his father and his mother marveled about what was said about Jesus. And Simeon then blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And to Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul also and so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. There is a question Many questions, but yet another question that we have that's emerging from the text for us. And the question is this, what are we, personalize this, what are you to do then with your waiting and your hoping? What are we to do that Jesus is the Christ and is the consolation of his people? We, here's the answer, are to believe and embrace this truth of Jesus with all of our life, to turn from our own ways and to turn to Jesus' ways, to renounce our sins and claim Christ as King, to repent and let those times of promised refreshment come upon us. And Simeon's words to Mary are striking words, aren't they? Do you see what he says to her? As She and Joseph are marveling at what Simeon is saying about Jesus, and then he turns to them, and he says to Mary, a sword will be piercing through your own soul. And friends, that's not just for Mary, it's for all of us. You see, one of the purposes of God's Spirit working with the Word is that the Word, which the Bible describes elsewhere as a sword that pierces our soul, is that this sword will not only pierce Mary's sore soul but all of the souls of those who have ears to hear the idea about God's word piercing our soul the idea there is that nothing is hidden from God's sight and those sobering words demonstrate that there is a day coming when all people will give an account to God based on Jesus and what you have done with God's word and with Jesus. Each of us will give an account on that last day because a sword will pierce our soul, namely the Bible. And the question will be, did we seek our only comfort in life and death in Christ alone? Or did we disregard God's free gift of Jesus and search everywhere under tree and over rock and under stone and through rivers and in relationships and bedrooms and bottles and more? Did we look for comfort in something else other than Jesus? So these are words of rescue because maybe right now this word is piercing your soul and your soul leaps at the promise, the idea that my guilt can be removed forever, my shame removed, forever, yes, it can, come to Jesus, and maybe you've named the name of Christ, and you've been brought here this morning, but you've had one foot so firmly planted in the ways of the world and rejecting Jesus that you're trying to be uh, pleased by sin, and it gives you a little bit of pleasure, but you're the most miserable person because you can't enjoy the sin because you still have the Spirit in you. But you're not enjoying the fullness of Jesus because you have your back turned to him. So if you are a prodigal, come back to Jesus and be saved. And dear church, you, you may come here with that heavy heart and a, a, a cloud hangs over you. And those circumstances are legitimately a bitter providence and they are crushing. And they, they do cause you to wonder, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But know that he has not as he walks with you and even carries you through the valley of the shadow of death. No, Jesus loves you and he is holding you and he knows your temptations and trials and he's carrying you through them. Find where your comfort can only be found, Jesus. We are all tempted to shop elsewhere. But the promise of the word is to pierce our souls, to remind us The guilt is not meant to drive us away from the cross but to the cross. The reminder of shame is not meant to drive you away from the cross, but to the cross. And your broken life is not meant to drive you away from the cross, but to the cross. It's all meant to bring us to Jesus. Merry Christmas. (laughs) We believe his word. We receive his gospel. We renounce our sin the sins that he's already died for. We embrace the risen Lord Jesus with all of our life, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our joy for for all of his comfort. So friend, don't leave here without giving your life to Jesus. Because this is true. You can ask the people who brought you this morning, maybe ask someone who invited you this morning, ask someone sitting around, ponder these words, count the cost. But we're here because this is sturdy and true. And you can bet not just this life on it, but eternal life on it. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And so maybe this morning you need to say this, I am yours, Lord, save me. Maybe this morning you need to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But we all can say and rejoice with Simeon, Lord, we now see and know the consolation of your people, King Jesus. Amen? Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you for the gift of the glory of Jesus, a plan that none of us could have ever dreamed up, a helpless baby born in a manger, the answer to the questions we didn't even know we were asking and the hope that we didn't even know we were looking for, but his name is Jesus. So this morning, Lord, would you fill our hearts with praise and adoration and love and comfort and all that we need to live and love like and for Jesus. In whose name we pray, amen.